Welcome to the Whole Assistant Podcast. I'm your host, Annie Croner. I'm a former assistant who's passionate about our profession, and I'm also a certified coach who's invested in your success. You've come to the right place if you want to know what it looks like to stand in your power and achieve success as an assistant free from overwhelm and burnout. Now, on to today's episode. Hey guys, so today on the podcast, I have a very special guest, Maggie Olson. I'm going to have Maggie introduce herself to you, but before I do, I just want to share what we're going to be talking about today. So we're going to be talking about the differences between an executive assistant and a chief of staff. I know many of you uh, are very active on LinkedIn and many of you are very curious about the chief of staff role. And so we're going to be diving into that today. And so Maggie, will you please introduce yourself? Tell everyone why you're the expert on the chief of staff role. (laughs) And then we'll just launch into a conversation. Sure. Hi, Annie. Thanks so much for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I am the owner and founder of Nova Chief of Staff. Nova Chief of Staff is a premier destination for Chief of Staff development. So we've got upwards of 250 students in our course at this point doing hands-on learning about, you know, how to be a Chief of Staff. And my last corporate role was a Chief of Staff for like a major telecom business. I was given the privilege of building out a whole team seven or eight of us doing chief of staff work, figuring out all the roles, responsibilities, resources, like templates, tools, all the things. I walked away from that role thinking, gosh, why isn't there a place we can learn this? Why can't we? There's so many project management certifications out there. There's nothing for chiefs of staff. So that's what I've been doing and building for the last few years now. And I do chief of staff consulting, coaching, and all of the things. So I'll probably stop there for an intro, but Annie, let me know if you need me to add anything else. I'm sure more will come out as we have this conversation and I'll be sure you guys, I'm going to link to her information, like all the contact information, where to find Nova chief of staff in the show notes to be sure to check that out as well. But I think the reason I was so excited to have you on, I know you came in and spoke with my group too, because there was just so much interest in the chief of staff role. And there's just a lot of interesting discussion around what falls into the chief of staff lane versus what falls into the executive assistant realm. And they're both strategic business partners in their own unique way, Mm -hmm. but it can look very different. So I just wanted to have you on my podcast as well, because I feel like you could benefit my larger, broader community. Mm -hmm. And I also wanted to give you some exposure and make sure that everyone knows what you're doing and what you're up to. (laughs) (laughs) And so to kind of kick the this discussion off, what would you say are the main, main differences between a chief of staff and an executive assistant? So, you know, they're they're similar in the sense that they both support a person. So we can get into that later. We can like make a note on this. Let's chat through like how that may be different from a COO. But it, it is confusing because EAs and chiefs of staff both support a person. They're both in this person's back office and both of the jobs like vary so much dependent on a million different reasons, dependent on the seniority of the role. Are you junior? Are you senior? And this is for EA and chief of staff. They vary based on the type of industry you're in, the composition of the company, size and maturity of the company. Like there's so many differences that it does make it hard to talk about the chief of staff role. And that is why I spend so much time on chief of staff education. So one of the visuals that I like to share when thinking about like, how do these roles differ? A chief executive, a principal, your founder, 
those folks should be eyes up, focused on the vision and future of your company. They should be looking ahead at the future. But we all know that as business owners, those people often are like heads down, chasing executional tasks and follow-ups and different things. A chief of staff basically comes in and can be that executive strategic partner that's excellent at execution. And the chief of staff organizes and prioritizes and basically owns the management of that leader's business priorities, where an executive assistant, oh my gosh, master problem solvers, they're doing a million different things every day. It's but it's more focused on logistics and travel and expensing and problem solving in new and different ways, but it's not so much leading major initiatives for the executive. What would you say to someone who's kind of doing like a hybrid, like what, cause I, cause I, it's funny. I actually have a couple of gals that I'm coaching right now. And, and one of them was like, Hey, I want a stepping stone to chief of staff. She's working for a busy startup. And I'm like, you're already doing the function. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, I think, I think that what we need to do is kind of get you already into the headspace of being a chief of staff and yeah. also make, making the business case for the chief of staff role for you. And then letting go of these other parts and pieces and handing them off to a really astute executive assistant. And so I think even like in a startup environment where there's so many balls in the air and there's so many things going on and so many initiatives like executive assistants do wear many hats, which was my experience as an EA over my entire career because I worked in small environments. I worked in nonprofit environments. I worked in like variety, but it was all really small businesses in small organizations. And that was a part that I loved was like having mm -hmm. my hand in multiple things. Yeah. And at the same time, I understand this like desire to focus on like the strategy part for an executive, right? Mm -hmm. So what would you say to someone who is in a similar situation where they're like wearing multiple hats and doing all the things and like maybe they're in a startup environment too, or in a nonprofit environment where it's just so there's just so many moving parts and pieces all the time that they end up, things get passed to them that they could not have foreseen. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> and what advice would you give to them in terms of their career trajectory, I guess? Yeah. You know, and it's hard to, it's, it's even harder to differentiate the roles when they don't both exist. Right. So if you're in a world, if you're an EA listening and you're in a world where you, there is not a chief of staff, my guess is that some of those responsibilities do fall to you. But I never, when, when people are, when I'm, you know, coaching or talking to folks and they're wanting to think about that next step, I never say, well, take on both jobs, do no. double, <laughs> you know, and I know Annie, you're like a big proponent of this either. Like we have to evaluate the bandwidth we have. Recognition is not guaranteed taking on more. There's no guarantee people are going to notice. And if you are an executive assistant thinking about, okay, maybe I want to move into chief of staff work. Maybe I'll just do both for a while. You're actually not going to have the space in your mind and like the strategic room mm -hmm. to have that like added value that you're trying to offer as a chief of staff. So it's important, I think, to evaluate like exactly what you want to take on. What are you drawn to? What do you really enjoy? And maybe that's where you start in kind of your stepping stone movement from the role. But I think people who are already kind of doing both things and they're like, I don't know, am I senior EA? Am I junior chief of staff? One good exercise could be to do an audit of what you're actually doing. So open up Excel and put everything you're doing, be pretty micro about this in, you know, every single box 
and then start categorizing those items as like logistical, tactical, and um, potentially chief of staff style work, which we can maybe walk through some of those things, business planning and kind of major key initiatives and strategy, the business support outside of the general kind of known items of EA support, and then focus on those gray areas that are like maybe not EA work and also those things that you know are not EA work and try to do a little bit of an analysis on your time. That's just tactically what I usually recommend if people are like, what role am I doing? And then from there, you take that information and you have to decide what you want to do with it. So do you want to have a conversation with your leader about up-leveling? Um, or stay in your role, but you're adding scope and maybe you're proposing making more money. There's probably like 30 plus different titles that you can have as a chief of staff that are not chief of staff. Mm. Um, companies for various reasons do or don't use the chief of staff terminology. And that's out of our control. So if it's executive business partner, if it's special assistant to the president, if it's business planning manager, business planning director, or junior what, I mean, there's a lot of options. So I always suggest to really reflect on what you want, reflect on the needs of the business, do a little audit, where are you spending your time, and then put a proposal together, formal or not, and sit down with your leader and just talk through what this could look like should you want to move on to the next role or just like added responsibility as a first step. Yeah, I love that. And I I thank you for clarifying also that we are not saying you should do both. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like Disclaimer. when I said, when I said that I had my hands in multiple parts of the business because I work for smaller businesses, that does not mean right. <laughs> like, yes, there was a lot of strategy involved in my role for sure. For sure there was. But at the same time, I'm not saying that you should break yourself or break your back or like kill yourself trying to do both roles. I think also, I think that once you're in the EA role, it's going to be hard for anybody to see you as anything different. Unless those responsibilities have been passed off to your predecessor, who's going to take over your executive assistant position, right? Yeah. If you're and in even the same then, environment, you mean exactly. like if you're, yeah, yep. Exactly. So say, so say you, so say you talk with your executive and you decide that the chief of staff, that, that he wants to implement a chief of staff position for you. And if you're still stuck doing his calendaring, <laughs> like really consider like, those those things say something, right? So yeah, you're going to be a chief of staff, be a chief of staff, make sure that you've carved out that position for yourself and also recognize and realize that there are a million different hats that we all can wear mm -hmm. and that it can look different for everyone, right? Like that's or yeah. the reality. Yeah, that's yeah. kind of the hard thing in this role is like it, every, every role looks different and every yeah. executive assistant role and every chief of staff role, they all are so varied. Yeah. Because the office of the CEO or president or what, whatever we call them, principal, um, is going to be so different for so many factors. So all of those jobs, you know, will take on a new kind of meaning. Yeah. You know, we should probably like, let's pause here maybe and talk through some of the things that chiefs of staff do. Because that might be helpful to people saying like, I've heard this term, but like, what do they actually do? Because I've never worked with one. What do you, yeah. How does that sound? <laughs> I love that. Yes, please. Um, okay. <laughs> and then I think as a little side note, just something you were just saying you also can't do the EA to chief of staff transition for the same leader without that leader's help with the transition from a messaging perspective. Yes. So like you have to get the support from your leader in like telling the whole executive team that you are transitioning and here's what you're doing now and here's what you're not doing and here's the person who's backfilling you and having consistent messaging and having them, they can't just say, okay, you got this. 
Cause a lot of leaders, they're kind of hands off in some of those warm, fuzzy ways. Right. But that it just will not work from an EA to chief of staff role in order to give the EA the, the elevation. So I just wanted to add that in. I don't know if you have any, anything to add think, on there before. I do. I think, I think creating a plan of action for that transition is very wise, not only like for the handoff and making sure that you've got like clear start and end dates with regards to the handoff, but also yeah. in terms of like communication, like Maggie yeah. was just saying. Yeah. So actually come up with an actual like written plan, get yeah. buy-in from your executive yeah. so that you guys can execute it together. You know, I, I like that. It's yep. like your first chief move as chief of staff. This is, this is the timeline. Here's the plan yep. we're going to be transitioning. So-and-so into this role. We're going to yeah. let the ALT know at this point, date and time, you know, all those things. Yeah. The emails we're sending. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So let's dive into what a chief of staff does. I will start with the very broad term. And a lot of these are broad terms that we can dive into business planning and the rhythm of business. So funny story when I was being hired for my first chief of staff job, I was told, oh, you're going to lead business planning and you're going to figure out the rhythm of business. I had no idea what those things were. I don't know if people listening have any idea what these things were or are, but all I heard was like, okay, you're organizing a team and you're getting people on the same page and you're, there's a lot of meetings and um, like you're, you're fixing things. So those things resonated with me, but I didn't know what business planning and <laughs> rhythm of business were. So I will dive in. Business planning essentially is a very broad term to that it really incorporates like planning the whole sequence and rhythm of business for your leader, including keeping them prepared for things they're showing up for. Rhythm of business kind of fits into that business planning umbrella. A rhythm of business is basically like when are people meeting and talking about what and what are the outcomes? So Imagine like a slide that shows you this nice visual of all the meetings that you have that are um, weekly, monthly, quarterly, yearly. Imagine that this slide tells you which meetings you're looking back, like you're talking about past business, you're kind of retroing. Imagine that the slide tells you what is now like operational things that you're working through, a product launch or systems that you're adopting, like the current business, sales performance, financials, and then future items. So which meetings are you, do you have like at a regular cadence where you're talking about strategic planning and long-term planning and the thing happening next month? That is a rhythm of business. Do you, are, do you have time set aside to drive your business forward with the levers that you need it? So when we think about an executive, they're running around and doing a million things. They're traveling or whatever, you know, who knows that we can never find them. Right. But these meetings are where they give the approvals. They're where you can grab them. They're the, the places where the team within the, you know, the, pillar or work stream, like operations can go and get that CEO approval, for example. So it's really important. And as a chief of staff, and I think executive assistants do this too, it's our job to reduce the noise and reduce the chaos of a back office. So a lot of times this like rhythm of business is not documented anywhere. There is no slide. There's just a lot of things happening everywhere. There's a lot of meetings going on. So a, one thing that I always say should happen in the first month for a new chief of staff, probably sooner even, is document the current state of the rhythm of business. Like what meetings are happening when for that leader? And, and in general, like document current state is a great thing for chiefs of staff to do because then you can take 
your understanding of current state and start to identify what's missing and what's not there. And that's what gives you room to make strategic recommendations and make a strategic impact. So I'll pause there for a minute. I love that. <laughs> Good. <laughs> this is so interesting. Um, so then how would you propose, I know I'm getting ahead of myself here, but like, how would you pr propose the actual implementation of those, of the strategic plan? Like if you're taking the plan on your shoulders and you're going to make sure that everything is enacted, what does that look like, especially in conjunction with an executive assistant? Like how can yeah. you guys, how can you two work together to enact the strategic plan? Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that. Um, briefly before we get, before we move on to there, I'll just name a few things and Annie, we can come back to them if you want, but other sure. things that chief of staffs do. Oh, sorry. No, sorry. no, no, you're good. Excited. I just want to help people get a kind of a clear full picture. So they're, so, you know, we're going to be jumping around anyway. <laughs> um, but basically, you know, that business planning, rhythm of business, the business process and efficiency, helping solve problems and basically like create systems to make things run smoother. And then engagements and preparation, what's your leader showing up to? What should they be showing up to, to basically offer their thought leadership? And if they're doing things externally, how are we bringing them back internally so they can talk about that with their team and organization? And then, you know, events and communications, ghostwriting for your leader, overseeing events at a macro level where an EA may do some of the, a lot of the planning components for sure. We don't want the leader to have to be super involved with overseeing of the events. That's where a chief of staff would come in and filling gaps across the board from maybe finance or employee like culture and employee relations and feedback surveys. So I just wanted to add those things because a chief of staff like an EA wears a lot of hats and will step into functions based on the need of the business and step out of functions when there's somebody who else, else is going to take them on. But in terms of working with the EA, in the rhythm of business world, we can probably talk for 10 or 20 minutes about the EA and chief of staff relationship in general. I, you know, very briefly, I always suggest that the chief of staff approaches that relationship as, you know, very humbly and in a very curious learning mindset for the first several months before trying to change anything, because usually an EA has been there longer and it's going to feel threatened, especially if there's a new chief of staff role and there's a lot of unknowns about what the chief of staff is going to do. So from the EA perspective, I always recommend approaching that relationship with a teaching mindset. Here's what I do. Here's how I do it. Knowing that there's going to be this like driven <laughs> achiever type person coming in that's going to want to make an impact, but both parties like really assuming the best and knowing that the relationship is, is absolutely the most important. So tactically, like if the EA can give the chief of staff visibility to the leader's calendar, not edit needs, that's not, not necessary at all, but calendar visibility. And if they can work together and the chief of staff can sit with the EA and learn, actually learn day first, a few days, what the EA does, like a few hours each day. Okay. This is actually what an EA, this EA does. The chief of staff will be well equipped with much better information to do their job. So building this rhythm of business out, it's basically like what exists, who shows up, what's the prep? And the EA can say, oh, these people show up. These people usually don't, eh, the prep's iffy, I've asked, but they're not doing it. And then the chief of staff can come in and say, okay, let's put a process together to make sure that everybody is prepared every time. And I'm going to help with that. I'm going to send this email in advance. And I'm going to follow up with each of them. It's truly a partnership um, for anything to, to get done well. 
but they, they have to sit together. They have to work well together. There has to be some visibility. The chief of staff can't just say, okay, I figured it out. Here's our new rhythm of business. It's not going to work. <laughs> you know, yeah. the chief of staff has to propose these things to not just the EA, but you know, the SLT, the executive team and the leader that they're working for. How do you feel about adding in this operations meeting? We really don't have a function for that. Should we try it for a month and see how it goes? It's all about how we do this, these things collaboratively. So does that kind of give a, a couple examples to you about the, how, how they can work together? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And I think, I think that really in, in my mind, I picture the EA and chief of staff relationship to be really symbiotic and like really yeah. cohesive and like, you guys are the ride or die of your executive's office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. And what I love about that is that it, you can offer each other support too. For so long, it's just been the executive assistant and the executive and the executive assistant ends up feeling siloed and like, you know, really that can be a huge bummer. And so I love that you can draw off of each other's strengths. I also like this idea of, I've always kind of likened, I've said this before on this podcast, I've always kind of likened the executive assistant as the bridge between her executive and the rest of the organization. But what I love about the chief of staff role is that you two together can be the bridge. Because where other people won't want to go to the executive, they want to, won't want to be yeah. like really upfront and like uh, transparent with the executive because they're the executive, mm -hmm. <laughs> but they don't have any problem coming and talking with their assistant or right. I would assume the chief of staff also. So, yeah, you know, yeah. if you can be that source of information for one another, not, not in a selling out type way for your colleague, but like, Hey, this person has some sensitivities around this thing, you know, lightly. Like you can kind of guide and support one another in that, which mm -hmm. Like in my, in my mind, there's, there's no better, there's nothing better than that. Cause then you guys are really locking step and you're really supporting the executive and you have absolutely. his back and it's like double trouble. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. I think you hit the nail on the head there. Yeah. Okay. So anything else that we need to know about the COS role and any other like tips or strategies that you want to share? Oh my gosh. I'm sure so much like you have a whole course around this and I just, and like, yeah, we only have so long on this podcast though. That's I know. I know. You know, I think that you hit on something earlier that comes up a lot when I'm talking to people. And that's just the, one of, one of the biggest things people come to me with is the struggle around confidence and if mm. they can do the job and not feeling like they're equipped well enough or that they have this traditional education to allow them to be, you know, an effective chief of staff or that they'd even be considered in an interview. Well, first of all, I talk to EAs every day now, and many are telling me stories of their executive promoting them to chief of staff. So first of all, that's incredible to hear. It doesn't mean that you have to go from junior EA to like a fortune 500 chief of staff or anything like that. They're chiefs of staff. And I've touched on this a little bit already, but come in all shapes and sizes. I mean, we've got junior, we've got senior, we've got manager level, director level, pretty much like executive team level for sure. In some cases, some jobs require an MBA, some jobs require consulting background and many do not. And the easiest way to get a new job, whether we're talking about chief of staff or anything else is to network within your current company. And as an EA, I don't see anyone better suited to support that executive than somebody that's been working with them for years and years and years and knows their tendencies and knows what they need and knows the 
opportunities in the business to address. I mean, that's a huge plus up for EAs. I also, and you know, we'll keep chatting a little bit about this, the confidence component, but there's just no reason. And I've heard this growing up, but there's no reason why we have to hear or believe that EAs are stuck in assistant roles. There's no reason why an executive assistant would be stuck in a role and a project manager or somebody else wouldn't be. Anybody can change roles at any time. (laughs) I think there's this thing about like, oh, I see someone as a support person or something like that. And I truly believe that by building the skills And for me, like one of the reasons I created this course by giving people hands-on practice doing things that drives confidence, because then you can say, I've done this before. Here's how I would approach the situation. Here's how, where I would start. And pretty much like, you know, I talk to my students constantly and the people who walk out of the chief of staff certification course, many, many people are like, the best thing I got from this course is the confidence and validation that I can do this job. And yes. oh, also I'm already doing some of it. Yes. So, you know, it's, it's really cool to see that. And I just want to share because I know that the confidence component is a huge, a huge piece. Yeah. So I don't know, Annie, I'm sure you hear the same thing constantly in your coaching. 100% I do. And actually the confidence is the missing piece because we often limit ourselves and our self-belief is really the thing that holds us back from accomplishing any role that we want, including yeah moving on to any, like, like you mentioned any role. Yeah. So it, it is fascinating to me. I've coached a lot of people now and I've actually coached people out of the role. I coach people into artists and like, like mm-hmm. creatives and into more like in, into every role imaginable, really. <laughs> but I think, I think I that, that, I think that we often limit ourselves because we're on a certain trajectory and we're like, oh, well, this is it for me. And there is no upward mobility and there is no path. And I'm like, literally, you can write your own path. Yeah. And that's I what I that. love about these roles is that mm-hmm. you gain so much knowledge. You, you gain so much insight into different aspects of the business. You could literally make a leap into anything. <laughs> you may need, there may be a gap in your skill set. You may need to get some extra training. You may need that type of support. But really, that's not what's holding people back. What's holding people back is what's between our ears. It's like the way we're choosing to think about ourselves. It's the way we're choosing to think about our roles. It's the way we're choosing to think about our futures in those roles. And so I am 100% with you there. I think that confidence is a big thing and rightfully so. I mean, if you don't know the role and you aren't sure what's going to be required, of course, you're, you're going to want to get all the information, especially if you're a planner, which most executive assistants Mm -hmm. are and most chief of staffs are. So we just want a plan, like, just give me the plan, but there is no plan because they are so unique because each role is so unique. There is no one way to get there. There is no one path to success. It's just the path that you create for yourself. Yep. Yep. (laughs) So I think what I love about this conversation too, is that hopefully this will get the juices flowing for my audience and helping you guys think about like, where do you want to take your career? Really the sky is the limit and there's no shame in any path. So what is it that you want? And that's that's a question that's really hard for a lot of us to answer because mm-hmm. we spent so much time and energy thinking about what our executives want or what our family wants for us or what other people want or what society wants or what we should be doing or you know, all of those shoulds that we never actually stop and ask ourselves what it is we want for our lives and what it is we want for our careers. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. That's my number one thing, like especially as I coach people, And yes, like I've got, I've got a program and yes, it's geared towards like really strategic partnering and like leveling up your assistant skills and all those things, just lovely. 
Yeah. But ultimately, like, I'm for whatever you want. I mm-hmm. like some people just want to go and do their jobs and go home and be happy. That like, if that's what you want, awesome. Like there I'm is not, nothing better than nothing career better. alignment and contentment. Literally exactly. nothing better. Yeah. Yep. 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 <laughs> so I think that that's really the crux of the issue is like really figuring out what you want your career to look like. And so throughout the course of this year, I'm going to be bringing on people to kind of challenge you in that way, all of you, my listeners in that way, and starting with Maggie for sure, because I want you guys to kind of think about your career path and think strategically about it and to create that for yourself and not to be held back by the fact that there isn't a current position at your company with the title that you want. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, you create a business case. Yeah. (laughs) Absolutely. And people are probably (laughs) sitting here thinking, okay, I could work on my confidence, but what about the financial aspects of the role? Or what about like the things that I don't think I'm good at? You can learn what you need to learn. If it's chief of staff, you're after chiefs of staff are generalist, you know, like we can, we do need to have a great base level understanding of a lot of things and the ability to dive in when we need to, but starting out with an incredible competence of like the financial aspects of a new business You don't have to have that to be a chief of staff. You know, what are the most important things? Who's your partner when you do need, need a partner to dive in? How are those business things, you know, driven together? Like anyway, we could go on and on about this, but, um, my, I do believe that everybody can do the things they want to do and that we are the ones holding ourselves back for sure. Yeah. Okay. Maggie, can you tell everyone where to find you, your course, all the good things? I am on LinkedIn, Maggie-Olson-COS, and our course is NovaChiefOfStaff.com, so N-O-V-A, and you can find a lot of information on NovaChiefOfStaff.com, including information about the course and coaching, and we do fractional chief of staff consulting as well, but the course is front and center right now, so please reach out if you have any questions, um, hello at NovaChiefOfStaff.com. Thank you so much for joining me today, Maggie. I You're know welcome. my audience is going to get a whole lot of value from this. So I really Good. appreciate you. <laughs> Good. Thank you so much, Annie. Okay. Bye-bye for now. Bye. I help assistants apply the concepts I share on this podcast. If you're ready to take your growth deeper and you're curious whether working with me in a coaching capacity is right for you, please email me at Annie, A-N-N-I-E at coolassistant.com to schedule your complimentary discovery call.